0: Welcome to the Marketing Trust Podcast. I am your host, Adam Buchanan. I believe trust must exist before a transaction can take place. I give marketers the tools they need to infuse more trust in their marketing to help grow their business. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to episode seven of the Marketing Trust Podcast. I am your host, Adam Buchanan. I'm excited that you're here. I've got a very special guest that I'm going to introduce you to in a moment. But a couple housekeeping items next week. I'm in Las Vegas. If you are there, I'll be at IBM checking out what they're up to. Follow me on Twitter at Adam underscore Buchanan. I'll be bringing you live updates about marketing, automation, AI, tech, and all things about IBM. Really pumped for that. Following week, I'll be in LA speaking at a community college talking about how to do social media right and engage students. Really excited for that opportunity. And later in April, if you're in Madison, Wisconsin, join me at the Business Accelerator event with American Family Insurance. I'll be talking about influencer marketing. That'll be happening later April. Really excited to have my good friend Kendall Card with me here today. Kendall, how are you doing? Very good, Adam. Very good. Thanks for having me. Kendall is the founder and owner of CamoFire.com and BlackOvis.com. These are hunting sites. And if you don't know what they are, you got to check out Camo Fire. It is especially popular because, why is it so popular, Kendall?
1: Because the deals are phenomenal, and they disappear quickly. We, we patterned it after one of the original like ODAT sites, Woot, took it and expanded it to multiple items. But we still maintain that same, you know, it's going to be gone in a minute kind of thing. And uh, hunters love it. We don't do the ammo or weapons. We just do all the other accessories that that hunters will use.
0: Yeah, flashlights, backpacks, hunting boots, things like that. And it's, yeah, if you remember Woot, that's quite a throwback there. Uh, It's even Thursday, so throwback Thursday. (laughs) We're recording on a Thursday. And, uh, yeah, check it out. It's one deal at a time at a very, very steep discount. Hunters love this site, but their spouses, not so much. They hate it. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. And we've heard we've heard that over and over and over. That's awesome. Well, before we dive into what we're talking about today, which is how Camofire builds trust with their customers, I want to take it back a little bit. Kendall's a really good friend of mine. We go way back. Do you remember the first time we met? You were a gearhead, right? Is that the first time? That's right. I was a gearhead at Backcountry.com. Backcountry.com is an outdoor website. If you don't know what they are, a little bit like REI. I was taking phone calls on... Pretty much, you know, customer service. Yeah. Me and Kendall got in touch. Uh, I was submitting gear reviews, actually, and, and I, I, wrote... I worked. I were I came down
1: to the warehouse to work as the part of that program that they had called Gearhead of Gearhead for a day. That's right. And so I was in marketing, and and I was the community manager there. And then they they required every employee to go for one day and, and work in the warehouse. So and I sat next to you. I I, I had a different guy training me. Yep. But we kind of got to know each other a little bit throughout that day. and We were
0: literally rubbing shoulders. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. Uh, so, Kendall, we, we go way back and appreciate your friendship all these years. And, and you've gone off and done just uh, incredible work with Camel Fire. You're on year 10 now.
1: Year 10. Yeah. That's
0: right. So, And also, make sure to download their app as well. Uh, try to hide it from your spouse. Uh, we, we can't help with that, but you'll just have to figure that out on your own. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Me and had to go way back, we did some work together when I was at Backcountry, and, uh, and you did, we've did, just we did we a little work touch. together
1: after after I left Backcountry. I was doing some contract work for a number of companies.
0: That's right. We worked on Ski Utah. Uh, ski Utah is the Utah kind of tourism marketing company for all the mini resorts up and down uh, all, all the ski resorts here in Utah, and I was the uh, I was the Yeti.
1: The Yeti is their
0: mascot. Uh, Man, this is going way back. And it was so funny. We built the Facebook page so large, we hit it like 5,000 friends. And it was a Facebook friend page, not a business page. That's right. Before they had the, I don't think they differentiated. Not quite. And we broke a policy of Facebook that said you couldn't do that. And they shut us down overnight. And we had to quickly start a new page. That's right. You had had to switch over. We lost all our friends. Yeah. Oh, early days. And we worked with, on ProBart as well. ProBart Pro is a,
1: a meal replacement bar company that does a lot of really yummy stuff. I saw you were over there the other day. You're...
0: Yeah, i still working with Probar myself. Uh, stoked to be with them. They're, they're just always coming up with really good ingredients. You can find them at Target, REI, all sorts of oh, whole foods, Sprouts. And uh, yeah, they're always coming up with something fun. Uh, they have a new bar. It's refrigerated. It's uh, called Live. So check that out. You made me jealous
1: with your tweet because or your Instagram post oh because you had you were kind of like speculating which one you would get and and that's the best part about going to pro bar you get a free
0: bar uh, it's usually made like that day or the day before it's uber fresh that's right if you saw my latest Facebook video I was showing that I um uh, was there and I was showing you know which bar I was going to select and yes you always get a very fresh bar at pro bar so love that well, let's dive in and talk about your business. How you guys are building trust at Camofire. Let's take it back to kind of earlier days. You'd mentioned that it was you, your co-founder Mark, and you had a very small budget to start off with business. A uh, tax, ret- a tax return yeah. was was your your <laughs> angel investor. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Uncle Sam. Appreciate right. you. And we uh, we
1: took we literally. It, it was just an idea that Mark had. Um, I jumped on board and said, hey, I can help with the marketing and, and some of the operations piece, and, and we literally started in his basement, finished his basement, started in one room, used my tax return to buy product. I had just finished building a house, and so I had two credit cards that had maxes of like $25,000, which is unheard of, right? Like, no, <coughs> nobody needs that big of a credit card max. So we essentially had fifty thousand dollars of the line of credit, um, thanks to my two credit cards. And that's how we financed the company starting off. And it was very um we had no money, really no money aside from the six or seven thousand dollars that my tax return provided. And we bought all product. And every for the first fourteen months we didn't take a single penny out of the business. Every ounce of profit went back into buying more product. Mm. And yeah, it was it was humble beginnings. And so we, just, we just were, it was, we were going to make it or we weren't. And, and we just went straight forward.
0: Was it scary that you saw all these other companies around you with such big budgets, such, you know, big things happening in marketing? What was it that made you guys propel forward? What was your mantra?
1: Well, that's a good question. The, our estimation, so many things happening. They had people on staff doing marketing and people doing this and that. They had a warehouse, and they were just you know all sorts of fancy software and we were just like you know kids in a candy store we'd go over and visit them and it's like, "Wow, <laughs> but at the same time, something that Marx always said is it's easy to spend other people 's money um, and that was the that was the truth with us when when it came down to it, we were spending our own money, and so, as we looked at marketing and how we would propel our company forward, we realized that. The the thing we had the most of which w- was time, and the thing we had the least of which was money. And we said if we can leverage our time in creating relationships with customers and exceeding, you know, back, back then ten years ago, Prime was not as commonplace as it is now. Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Amazon, Amazon Prime. has driven the market in in online retail. Sure. To create they, what they've done is they've created expectation, whether it's price or value other things. Not so much in my, in my estimation, but they've driven that expectation. That you have to deliver within a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, we started out with the same, I you know, philosophy. Like we have to, we have to do those things that we can do within our budget, and we can't. We got to just forget about some of the things we can't do and quit focusing on those. So we shipped same day every day. And we took phone calls to our customer service line was my cell phone. It was Mark's phone for a while. Then it was my cell phone. Then it was Mark's phone. So if I ever did... I
0: remember that your voicemail was like, hello, this is Kendo from camofire.com.
1: Absolutely. That I, is awesome. I, you know, but we... And then we created these relationships with people one at a time um, that I think was worthy enough for them to talk about it. And And as you and I were talking earlier... So a lot of those people that, when I was the customer service contact in that first you know year and a half, Mark and I, a lot of those people that I interacted with gave advice about products, um, solved issues in shipping. A lot, some of those people are people I still communicate with today sure. as friends. People that I've, uh, you know, I've gone on hunts with with a couple of those people. I've been to their homes. I've had dinner with their families. Uh, I stayed with
0: one 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 gentleman and his family in Oregon. Um, and so you've taken these, you know, online relationships, and this is something I think we take for granted so much in business and marketing is it, it very quickly becomes just numbers. And so it sounds like you guys took that very seriously up front and said, they're not just numbers. These are people, these are friends. This is uh, a bed we can stand, you know, while we're traveling.
1: Totally. You're, when you, as a business, as a entrepreneur, when you, when you get your first few customers, I mean, you're, it's like the hen has laid the golden egg (laughs) and you just want to hold that egg and make sure i mean you you want to protect your it's just like a a child you want to protect it you make sure it grows i mean we treated each customer the same way now that's not scalable really
0: Mm -hmm.
1: or is it and then that that's that maintains our philosophy is we we want to be known as like you guys are good people you know we try to like show people who we really are and you always take care of people now there is you know there are those instances where there's that guy that just sure. can't be be remedied or whatever but but our um we we decided early on that our best form of marketing was the way we treat people and and that was where we were going to get the most value out of what we had. The commodity we had at the time was time to invest in people rather than dollars to go out and find people, yeah. And that was, uh, you know, it was a gutsy approach. It, it 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 became burdensome. There's no doubt about it. Sure. Uh, but we wanted it bad enough. We just didn't want to fail, so we just did it. You know, taking phone calls uh, on weekends at eight o'clock at night. You know, answering. You know, campfire. This is Kendall. How can I help you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember being on a hunt once and trying to whisper like, Fire, this is." Kendall. <laughs> You know, I'm trying to please speak. Uh, Maybe they're on a hunt as well, so you're just whispering. That has happened. Okay, all (laughs) right. I've had customers call from tree stands in the Midwest, saying,
0: "Awesome, on a
1: hunt. Can I buy this product?" You know, but it it that that was our approach, and that you know, for better or for worse, maybe we could have grown faster. You know, maybe other companies did grow faster, and we were left a little bit in the dust. Uh, But we're proud of what we what we did and how we did it. And it's turned out to create value both in our company as well as our customer base.
0: One example you shared, we had a dinner a few weeks ago in Vegas, and we were talking about Victoria's Secret. Yeah. This is phenomenal, and I love this. So tell me about, this was a holiday time. Yes. And you took a select amount of customers, and you sent their spouses gift cards to Victoria's Secret. How did this come about?
1: So that it was a it was a interesting idea that we came up with um there was a guy that was working for us at the time that, that was spearheading this idea um the premise of that is that we have uh, we have this this idea here at work and it's it's it comes from customers is that um you know this this we've coined this phrase you know oh, i love you but my spouse hates you um or you know camel fire you love us but your spouse hates us or or wrecking marriages and you know <laughs> <laughs> wrecking marriages since 2007
0: because all it, these camo fire boxes are showing up on their doorstep. Totally. And it's Like, okay, honey, like how many how many backpacks, how many pairs of boots do you need? How many socks? do Or
1: when we had back you know years ago when we we had a text messaging service prior to the app, so people would get text messages text messages at like one, two, three oh. in the morning. And we had guys who were like, dude, I had to turn off the text messages because my wife was wondering if I was texting like another woman <laughs> in the middle of the night. And and you really, are the
0: mistress of retail. Totally.
1: We we would I, I would my business partner uh, he, Mark he tells a story of running into a a guy who was a regular customer would actually come into our our little storefront. Mm. We tried to not let people in. We actually locked the front door for a long time, and we just but people wanted to come by and see us and. But this guy Brad would come by, and he ran into Brad and his wife at this grocery store, and she was very kind, very like, "Oh, hi, it's a pleasure to meet you." And Brad's like, "Oh, Mark's the guy that owns CamelFire," and he said her demeanor changed 180 degrees, <laughs> and he was like, "She was like, I hate you guys, I hate your website, I hate you guys are wrecking like our finances." I mean, she oh kind of went off, gosh. and Mark was like, "Oh, sorry, man." <laughs> so we, you know, people get a little overboard, but we we realized. That this isn't necessarily it, Whether it's a bad thing or not, obviously each person has to decide like how much they want to shop. But we understood that 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 existed. So what we did is we took um, about thirty five. We took fifty. It was it, we did different levels. Um, we took our top fifty customers, and you know based on spend and frequency, and we sent them. We individualized these cards. And the top twenty five, I think we gave them like a hundred dollar gift card. And the next 25 we gave them a $50 gift card. Mm. And we wrote this little note. or you know, We had this little card made up, and it says, you know, and it, we addressed it to the spouse of this person or the spouse or, or a girlfriend, significant other of, Tried to be as you know, yeah. PC as possible. <laughs> Sent it to them in a box, you know, from Camel Fire so they could clearly see it was from Camel Fire. And, and when they opened it, it, it said, you know, this is not for you, it's for your, your spouse. You know, so the cust- we am assuming the customer would open it and then they would be, "Nope, this isn't for you, this is for your spouse and in the box was this card that simply said, "You know your your spouse loves us, we know you hate us <laughs> in order to call a truce, yeah, you know we're going to treat you right this Christmas, so this one's on us. Go to Victoria's secret, enjoy you know uh." hopefully you'll see Camel Fires is, is not your arch enemy or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's awesome. and, uh, and we sent that out, and we, we had some very funny responses from customers. Uh, we had some – some that was pretty early on in the social scene. Uh, we had some people that did post at Facebook. Instagram wasn't around at the time. Uh, but our desire really was to embrace those people that had embraced us most with something funny, yeah. something that was real. Uh, and something that that the spouses would either chuckle at or really appreciate or both. Yeah. And uh, we've we we have a lot of fun with that. In fact, we we've talked about making T-shirts, you know, that have that little slogan on it. But I yeah. think we identified. It could have been a negative. We identified what was really happening in our business with within. You know, we have customers. It's it's crazy. I I don't shop other than Amazon. I don't shop at the same website more than a couple times a year maybe and we have customers some of them that buy 30 40 50 times in one year
0: oh my and word
1: because the savings are so good and guys um you know particularly the guys are getting into hunting you know they're trying wow. to watch the, the dime so we realize yeah. that for some of their spouses man we are we're on we're like <laughs> public enemy number one
0: that's right you are the the ecom mistress. Um, <laughs> no, thank you for that story, and I love that uh, idea of getting outside yourself a little bit. And I think that's a good example of that. one thing that I talk about here on the podcast is building trust with people means you're being honest, and not so much being honest as you offer a good price or you know you take care of people. That's just par for the course for business. What I'm talking about is being aware of what's really going on, and uh, that is what you guys have done. Is said, hey. You know, we meet people in person. We hear things. Uh, let's address this. And, and I love how you did that. Talk to me about how you know. Till, still to this day, you take customer calls every once in a while. Maybe there's a little bit of overflow.
1: Yeah. So I I do actually, um, and quite frankly, it's one of the things I enjoy the most in our still in our business. Is strange that sounds. Uh, my time is so. Um, I'm pulled in a lot of directions, but uh, I do take calls almost daily. Um, even when we have sales contests, like I'll, I will mean, never win because <laughs> the guys, uh, the other guys will win for sure. But I like to both participate, both create trust within and within my team, as well as um, I have. Mo- I've had multiple calls where where the people the person on the other side says, "Hey, can I talk to your supervisor? I'd really like to tell him how good you are." <laughs> and I'm like, "Man, I- I'm sure he knows, but I'll let it. I'll let him know. No, no, man, I, I really want to talk to your supervisor." No, it's totally fine. I, <laughs> I try not to reveal that I'm one of the owners, um, but I think an instance that you and I talked to you know mentioned a little bit um, yesterday. Just yesterday, I had a phone call from a gentleman, a customer in Canada, purchased about seven or eight items from us. In we, uh, we have a thing called combined shipping um, because we're a, a a site that that sells instant. You know, you buy it, and ship it. Sure. We created a feature. Um, around, you know, buying it and then holding it for up to seven days so you can add multiple orders, reduce the amount of shipping you pay. We used to do that manually. Oh, wow. Like, I remember running spreadsheets and manually doing that because the customers demanded that um, before we could code it. So this customer did a combined shipping order, ordered two different orders, about seven items total. This was in September, shipped it to Canada. Middle of Canada, the tracking, um, you know, I'm getting all this story. I'm looking at a couple of the notes in, in the order. I'm like, oh, buddy. And so I said to him, I said, yeah, so he basically said, hey, the package never arrived. It looks like it's on its way back to you guys. We've never seen it. It's it's holed up somewhere in Ontario on the border. Um, and I told him, I said, ultimately, our objective is to make sure that we take care of you. And we did our job in shipping it. The carrier didn't couldn't deliver it in this instance and send it back. It's lost in limbo land. We're not going to leave you high and dry. And, um... And so he said, you know, one of the things that, that kind of came in this conversation, I said, hey, let, here's a couple of solutions. I gave him three different options. Um, I kind of joked with him and just said, honestly, you should be charging us interest because we've had your monies for this long. And I, <laughs> I just, I feel, I was mortified. Honestly, it just felt so bad. But I said, you know, let me call you back. And, you know, let me check on one of these solutions to make sure we can do this. Um, you know, I have to ask my operations folks, like, if we can really do this this aspect because it's been so much time got back to him later in the day and and said hey here's the solutions he was looking for a particular backpack that we have on our other website black Ovis. and Mm. i said listen if you want that backpack i'll transfer that money and i'll even add 25 dollars to that credit and i'll give you this credit on the other website and the one thing that was was that, that i appreciated from him is he said you know i've shopped with you guys a few times and I've always heard. I said, "Man, why did you wait so long?"
0: Mm, he Said, yeah.
1: "No, you know, I forgot." And I called you guys once, and I was kind of waiting to hear back, and you didn't get back to me, which I was like, "Ah, oh, I feel so bad about that." But he said, "I'd always heard that you guys were the te- were really good people, the type of people that would will you know will take care of others." And he goes, "I read that in forums online, and I've I've had a couple friends say that." And he goes, "This just shows me that that you guys are those type of people." So he goes, "I wasn't really that worried," and that. That meant a lot to me to know that he had seen and read that about me personally, you know, my company, the company that we've created, the type of business that we do, the way that we deal with customers. And that was, um, it was cool.
0: That's a great moment.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. And that was just, yeah, that was just yesterday and that doesn't happen every day, but the, those type of things are a reminder of we, we need to still, it's like, we need to do the things that brought us to this point. The same way that, remember, everyone, back in the late 90s, everyone was like, content is king. And yeah. then content became not king. <laughs> and then content became queen and then not king again. And then now content is king in everyone's eyes. And content, the value of content never went away sure. in in marketing and in branding. People's focus has changed. And, and we have to, as a business, make sure that our focus maintains these relationships are one by one. Are we win customers one at a time, um, even though we can acquire them through ads that bring you know
0: potentially sure. more. That's awesome. Well, as we talk about your efforts and uh, you know taking care of people, building trust. Part of that, one thing that's come very very frequently with a lot of businesses and something more popular is influencer marketing, building relationships with influencers. Tell me how you guys do that, but still maintain authenticity because that is such it can be such a uh, a messy world especially right now when you have things where you have to disclose uh, relationships and partnerships especially when when money is exchanged and tell me about how you guys in approach influencer marketing developing those relationships but keeping yourselves grounded
1: that's a tough question um the one of the things with influencer marketing and i and I appreciated one of your podcasts previously where I can't remember the name of the gentleman, but he spoke about the you know these people that profess themselves to be influencers right and, and we when it's really the audience that determines who is who has in influencing value and I think your your guest said something about uh that rather than trying to become an influencer, become an expert in your craft. And and you, you will people will look to you as as influencers. Um, totally, that really resonated with me uh, because in the hunting industry, as in you know skiing and snowboarding backgrounds that you and I are familiar with, client the world of climbing, other areas where it's attractive to find someone that, that's really good at their at their skill. You know, take a Travis Rice in snowboarding or mm-hmm. you know uh, Sean White as a snowboarder. It, Companies want to be aligned with people that that have both skill and that that present themselves well. In the hunting world, it um, there's this term called pro staff, and I've never really liked the term to be honest with you. I grew up hunting, and then went away from it. Uh, got more interested in climbing and, and backcountry skiing, the stuff that you and I like to do, and then came back to hunting. And so as, as I come back to hunting ten years ago, in, in as an industry and as a passion. I've noticed that there's some interesting terminologies, one being this terminology of pro staff. And all these companies have this pro staff. And I know people that say, hey, I'm a pro
0: staff with this company and that company. And I'm like, I don't I don't see the value. I don't Do you feel like that term has been watered down because it's been around for so long? And maybe how people approach it?
1: Both yeah, both because it's been around so long as well as because there's no that no measurement that that's common to say, hey, this guy has finally reached in the what in the snowboard world. They say a professional athlete. This guy's a pro staff. It it holds little value anymore.
0: So, in I think, our, I think that right there is so interesting that we we've identified that there is a level and a definition when you become a professional athlete. Lindsey Vaughn, you're a professional athlete, right? Oh, yeah. Sean White, like these people. You know, we're just coming out of the Olympics. That's kind of top of mind right now there's no really clear cut, especially in the hunting industry. I spent two years in the in out hunting and outdoor at Cabela's. I, I know the term very well, pro staff and it's loose, right? Super gray. When you step into marketing in general, what is the definition of an influencer? Right? Like, do you have to have a certain amount of followers? Do you have to get paid so much? It's, there's no definition. So, it's hard to navigate, I think, for businesses. It's hard to navigate uh, just building relationships, and I think taking your approach of building the right kinds of relationships with people who who are experts, you lean more on the expertise versus maybe the reach or the the flamboyancy of you know how great you are, how great they think they are. Um, I, no, I, I think that's kind of what you're coming down to, which, yeah, it is kind of a problem. What do you think is going to happen in five? You know, five to eight years with this idea of pro staff or influencers. I think,
1: I think three to four years or two to three years. Typically, the hunting industries you know, is a little bit behind where the outdoor industry is, uh, as far as the the way in which they conduct business. It th- that gap is shrinking. There's no doubt about it. But I I think that people who profess themselves to have value. Because they don't, to the point of your previous guest, I, I loved what he said, to the point that they don't excel at their craft, if they're a filmmaker, for example. We work with guys, and we, we also are the distributor, as you know, for a uh, an Italian bootmaking company mm-hmm. called Crispy. And we're the U.S. distributor for that brand. We work with people in with that brand and with our other websites to try and find, we work with filmmakers, and we work with guys that are doing short films or guys that are following you know along on their adventures and and you know uh doing more selfie kind of films or uh we work with uh, photographers who are good at making you feel like you want to be in that particular location anyone can go out with a camera anyone can go out with a with a uh, you know a, a video you know making videos and things but we really try to find people that are are unique in what they do as well as sincere in what they do. And quite frankly, they have, to, they have to have used our product before we'll even talk to them. Like if a guy calls me up and says, hey, I want to wear your boots. Like I think I've got X number of followers on Instagram. I can help you blow it up. We're looking for a boot company to work with. My first question is like, have you, have you worn our boots? Wow. And That's they're bold. like, well, no, but everyone says they're awesome. I'm like, listen, let's do this. I'm going to, you know, because of your interest, because you do have some influence, I talked with a, a guy three days ago, and I'm going to try to say this is like, you know, hey, check, you know, thumping my chest, this is how awesome we are. But I talked with a gentleman, uh, a guy three days ago, he he has, uh, I don't know, 140,000 followers on his on Instagram. Uh, their YouTube channel has 15,000, 20,000, you know, subscribers. Their Facebook has 150,000. They definitely reach a crowd. They reach a certain amount of number. But I, I just told him, I said, have you used our boots before? He said, no. I said, I'll tell you what. This is what we really should do. I can give you a discount on a pair of boots. I'll give you a little bit of a break. Why don't you buy your first pair? <laughs> Keep in touch with me. Let's look at the next six months. You go out and use them, you and your three friends. If your three friends that are part of your little team, if they want to you know, embrace this as well, great. If they want, they don't want to try our boots, that's fine too. And if you feel inclined to naturally talk about our boots because they have exceeded your expectations, feel free to mention it. But if you don't, there's no strings attached. I don't have any expectation of you. You don't have any expectation of me. Let's reconvene in six months and let's talk and let's see. Our relationship over those six months will also determine if there's a reason for us to keep working together. Like don't disappear on me. And I sure. told him that. I was like, don't don't just fall off the face of the map because you got a discount on a piece of equipment that you want to utilize. Yeah. Keep in touch with me. You're not gonna you're not gonna wear me out. Drop me a line every couple of weeks. Send me a text like every three weeks. Link you know, hashtag me in a in a
0: Instagram or you know, or a Facebook post. Just or just share one with me. I think that's where we're going back to is building those real, raw relationships because I think people have based so much value on their reach, so much value on yeah, yeah, you know, I, here's my numbers, you know, here's my, here's my following. Check me out. And it's just like, okay, have you, have you tried our product? You know, because that's a huge risk for them to put on that boot for the first time. And they have too narrow of a foot or too wide of a foot. I mean, footwear is very personal. Boots are so unique. I mean. We're,
1: c- we're trying to make a, a, a mass market boot for custom feet
0: every single person has a custom foot. That's that's the struggle of uh that's the struggle of the footwear industry. Yeah, totally. I uh I interviewed uh Ultra Footwear, the founder over there and he said the same thing. He's like, everyone thinks like there's one one end all, you know, shoe option. It's like no. It it's all feet are different. It, it's just the struggle of footwear, but also the opportunity. But
1: in recommending, here's the other yeah. thing, recommending a footwear a, a boot to somebody or a shoe to somebody is as unique as as anything. So, just because I love it and it works phenomenal for me does not mean for you it's going to be awesome. So, we also have to look at the influencers that we're aligning with yeah. and the way that they're recommending and or talking about the product. So, we we do a little bit of coaching, but we also at the same time if I have if I trust the way that they operate I mean I don't leave it to chance entirely, but some of it is like you just keep doing what you're doing because I'm comfortable with that and I know that you recognize that there's a relationship here and that mm-hmm. you're going to bring value to me. And if you don't, yeah, I'll bring it up. We'll talk. But you can't do that with people you've never met and people you've never established something with. So that's why oftentimes we we won't quote unquote sponsor people whether it's for CamelFire or for Black Ovis or for, for Crispy, for the boot company, until there's some
0: sort of substance there, regardless of how big their reach is or is not. So do, you, do they come back in six months and kind of say, wow, I've really put these through the paces. I paid full price or 10% off whatever the discount was. Do those develop relationships? Are those fruitful?
1: That is the weeding process. Yeah. It, it really is. Um, we have a couple that have stuck around. Nice. And they're valuable. Like there's a there's a a guy in in uh, up in Boise Idaho, and he that that area of the country obviously is very uh, you know interesting for hunters. There's a lot of like great hunting opportunities in in Boise Idaho, and this young kid. I remember I was on a I was up in Oregon on uh, doing some traveling there. When I remember I remember I pulled off the exit to talk to him. I remember talking with him and I told him that basically what we just talked about. Yeah, and he kept with it and he supplied us with some images that we purchased from him. Um he we've used some of his images and Crispy Italy has used a couple of his images in their marketing. Oh wow. Um, you know, I just just renewed kind of our our relationship and, and said, Hey, he's got a couple projects of uh he wants to tell a story about one of our boots through this eighty mile hike that he and some friends are doing, like this kind of grinding hike over three or four days, kind of as a training for the hunting season. Um they call it Death March. But he mm-hmm. um so Yes, yeah, some of these relationships have flourished, others that really, it, 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 it exposes people's real intent very quickly. And it's not foolproof. I'm not saying that this method has worked for me, you know, sure, with, with perfect execution. But it's helped me to minimize our, our waste in our spend, as well as um, create
0: better relationships with the people that we entrust to help us tell our story. So to summarize this, you know, I think there's a lot of takeaways that people can learn from this, uh, especially for brands listening, is take a step back, have them buy the product, you know, uh, maybe give them a little break on a a discount or whatnot, but really try to show and expose their true intentions and then touch base in, you know, four to six months, see where things go. And I, I like that because the best experience that I've had with influencers is long term. Uh, like my good friend Scott Dulemeyer says, you know, you shouldn't be summer camp buddies with influencers. You have you've gotta you've gotta make it to the holiday uh Christmas card list. You know, that that's your real goal. You you wanna get on their holiday card list. Uh you don't just wanna say, Well, cool, that was fun, never speak to you again. And if you want to, then here's the price. Uh that, that definitely doesn't have a uh, long term benefit and is is truly just not sustainable. You've had
1: instances I mean in your experiences, both at maybe Columbia or even backcountry.com or at uh, Cabela's where you gave someone something for free. Sure. They probably, in some instances, they just wanted free stuff. In other instances, they would have paid for it. You as a marketer, and I make this mistake too, sometimes I feel like I have to give it away to i don't know to, do you ever feel this way like we you're like ah here let me give this to you and they're like no dude I, i'll buy it right it, it's, it's it's fine i just want to create a relationship they come with the realist of you know the, the real intent to create a relationship that's long term because they maybe see a better
0: vision i love that and i think gosh that we're hitting on such a key point here is why are we just giving our stuff away and, and when you stand back away from influence marketing and just talk about discounting in general Discounting truly is, and this is a big you know kind of fuel for your business is when people have excess and they want to get rid of that excess when I walk into a, a retail store and it's got discounts left and right, I'm thinking, oh, this is all old stuff, this stuff doesn't matter. this stuff is lower in value
1: or people didn't like this stuff so they didn't buy it yeah so now they've got too much of
0: it yeah, so Discounting, we have to be careful with, and I think that relates back to what you're saying. Is and I've definitely experienced that where I'm like, "Oh man, this person has a huge reach. You know, I gotta win them over. I gotta, I gotta give them something for free." And and truthfully, they're like, "No, it's it maybe an editor at Backpacker Magazine or or a media relationship." And it's like, "No, I, I truly want to vet this out, or I'll send it back to you, or you." Know, it just varies in in so many different ways, but. As marketers, I think we, we jump too quickly. We, we give it away. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's, not a, that's not a money thing. That's a trust thing. That, that's an issue of trust. Um, because we could potentially build that relationship out the gate with strong intentions, pure intentions, um, rather than just being so focused on, on reach and following. How's the honey, by the way? Kendall's eating some of my honey from my backyard. <laughs> Dude, this is good. Honey in March, it snowed today, too. So That's right, this yeah. This is even more of a treat. We're here in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, and it, winter is finally... Uh, woken up and, and come out my bees are uh, tucked away they, they think it's winter again so they're very that well, was very warm confused. it was almost 72 days ago i know yeah. it snowed last night i'm confused it's like do i curl up in my bed or do i go for a jog <laughs> we had guys wearing shorts yesterday at work I'm right. like, don't do that guys <laughs> that's awesome well hey before we wrap up here uh we're gonna play a little game uh it's called name that handle on episode two we played this with vincenzo uh, he was the person who was talking about influencer marketing. Oh, yeah. Definitely worth listening to that episode. So that Kendall, a podcast.
1: I, I would recommend listening to that podcast. I've shared it with a couple of friends uh, and a and couple of people here at work as well.
0: Awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. So episode two, if you want a, a little bit of another angle on influencer marketing, Vincenzo does a very good job of outlining what that is. So I have your person. So the way Name That Handle works is whoever is a guest on my show, I give them one word clues about someone they are connected with on social media. In this case, it is Instagram. You know you're going to embarrass me. Are you ready? Because I don't look at my
1: social media channels You'll, that I've, much.
0: You know, I, I try to... We're just going to go in. Go soft on ha- me. All right. let's see what happens. Right. If, it, if it runs over 60 minutes, then uh, <laughs> I'll give you... A, I'll play uncle. So we're going to do one word. Kendall, are you ready to play Name That Handle? I am ready, Adam. (laughs) He doesn't look ready. He needs some more honey to to get through this. All right, one word. Here we go. Yeti. Yeti. And it's not the cooler company. I know. I wouldn't have just given it away, but uh, Yeti. Adam Barker. Ooh, close. No. Okay. Uh, Adam Barker is worth a follow on Instagram. Definitely check him out. Awesome, awesome photographer. Actually, based here in Salt Lake City, Utah. And we
1: work together at
0: Utah. That's what I thought about. That's Adam. right. All I right. love running into Adam Barker. He's a solid individual. Good people. Um, <laughs> not Adam Barker. Dang. Are you ready for another clue? I need another clue. <laughs>
1: Stella. Oh. Not Stella Peterson. No, no. Stella. Oh, uh,
0: Jay Byer. Yay! Sweet. Jay Byer. Nice awesome. work. He Just
1: posted a picture of his dog. I know. I was. Two I was looking old. through.
0: I'm like, what clues could I do other than saying photography and film and all those basic? Things? Jay Byer. He's another photographer and close friend and passionate S- hunter. So when you're done uh, listening to this podcast, hop on over to Instagram. Follow Jay. Bayer Imaging. That's J-A-Y-B-E-Y-E-R Imaging. Jay Bayer, phenomenal, phenomenal photographer. He works with Kendall. They've done photo shoots with hunting and, and all sorts of things, but he shoots a wide range of yeah, stuff. Yeah, he works with Patagonia.
1: As He just got back from Japan a couple of weeks ago. He goes, goes to Japan every year and... She worked with companies like Black Diamond and, like I said, Patagonia, Yeti coolers, and nice. Uh, worked with Sitka and the Outbreak So Yeti
0: was a pretty good clue. Yes, I was somewhat. thinking Yeti like the like the mascot which you said before. Well, he actually in his bio it says follow my Yeti gallery. Oh, so we're all over the place. We, yeah, it's many meanings. Perfect. Awesome, uh, Kendall. Thanks for playing, name that handle, and for being on the Marketing Trust podcast. This has been. Kendall Card, he's the founder of CamelFire.com. Definitely check them out. But buyer beware, you may have a lot of boxes appearing at your doorstep. Uh, I am not liable for that. Uh, Kendall probably might be. Um, (laughs) Well, thanks, Kendall, for being part of this. And also, for you listeners, make sure to follow us and join the Facebook group to meet with other business people and marketers. Search Marketing Trust on Facebook and click join. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share it with a fellow marketer or business owner and consider leaving a rating and a review. Talk to you later. This has been another episode of the Marketing Trust Podcast, where I help you infuse more trust with your customers to help grow your business. I'm Adam Buchanan, and I want to thank you for listening.